0: What is up? It's Miguel. I just wanted to stop and say thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I do appreciate it. Uh, I would love to find out what some of your favorite podcasts have been. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and, and email me, booking at justthemiguel.com. Booking at just the Miguel, <laughs> It's And it's also in the podcast notes as well. Email me. Let me know uh, what some of your favorite podcasts have been uh, or what you've learned from it. It'd be amazing to hear and help me learn more and more about the kind of guests uh, to bring on the show. Before getting into today's episode, it's a great one with Stefan. Uh, I just want to talk about this concept, a uh, concept that a mentor of mine years ago uh, challenged me with. And it's this idea that you should always count your yes votes. Uh, I often get wrapped up and maybe you do too get wrapped up in the people who aren't buying into what I'm doing like for me obviously it's it's the music or or the podcast like oh there, it's i looking at the numbers and wishing it was more but instead seeing and in counting the yes votes, and celebrating the fact that there are people buying in uh, to to what I'm doing. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Whatever, whatever you're chasing out there, whatever you're trying to build, uh, to not focus on who's not paying attention or to encourage you to not focus on the naysayers, on the people who are just spilling hate on things, uh, but to focus on the people who are supporting you, who are saying yes to you and what you're doing. And now let's get to today's episode. What is up? I am Miguel Antonio, and this is the Live and Create Podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And on today's episode, we have Stefan. He's a singer, songwriter, and performer. I'm going to read a quick excerpt from Out Loud Culture, an online magazine. They said, Stefan is a queer R&B singer-songwriter known for pushing boundaries with his music and effortlessly blending the genres of alt-rock and R&B soul. Stefan released his latest single, The King's Gambit, whose mysterious, sultry aesthetic carries throughout the track, paying tribute to his influences like Prince, Billie Holiday, and Alabama Shakes. In this episode, Stefan shares his story of coming to age and finding his own original music in the drag world. He also offers his unique perspective on pronouns and how each individual desires to be seen. We also talk through current topics and how endless fighting ultimately leads to civil war. And you will be glad to know that neither one of us thinks civil war is a good idea. (laughs) And then we dive into grasping exactly who you are as an artist to become the best artist you can be. It's a great episode. Enjoy. The live and create podcast definitely now as far as pronouns what what are your pronouns so i don't mess it up i do a lot of mans and dudes and bros and shit like that so
1: i go all pronouns uh i definitely he him mostly but i i really like i really don't care what i don't care
0: right on i I just want to make sure because I can. My default is I'll call everybody bro, and I just want to make sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, people are I can cool totally with that. Call so bro, like I, I do not care as long as it's respectful. And I've always felt this way for me anyway. I understand that it's like your gender identity, obviously, but um, right for me, uh, it's it's cool.
0: That's a friend of mine. She was transitioning. She's a trans woman, and uh, one day I just I asked her manager, and because I really didn't know where she was in it. And she finally just like, she told me, she's like, just talk to her. And she was like, listen, I keep everything ambiguous. So I don't really care. I just accept what anyone said. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Just making sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know some people really, really, it means so much to them. And um, it just never has for me. And maybe that's too, because I've grown up Doing drag like came of age uh, as Kita Rose and like Missy B's and um, f- fucking hamburger Marys, whatever. And so everyone calls each other girl or calls each other sis or calls each other by their name, their drag name, and not their real name. So like I have a bunch of people that call me Kita all the time, even though I haven't been Kita Rose in
0: years. But um, to th- they- to them, you're Kita. And to them, I'm Kita, and to,
1: to me, sometimes they're Tashba or Widow or Molten or Genoa, and you know, you just get used to referring to each other like that. And then I have people that just assume that I'm non-binary and just call me they all the time or them, and <laughs> I just think it's the most interesting thing because I've never ever, until recently, really like was like, I guess I'll just let people know that all pronouns are okay because I never, ever made a statement about that. And so I was like, this is really interesting. Like they and them has become like the safe, the safe word because you don't know what someone wants to be referred to as. I just think it's just a lot. And I just, for my sanity and my life, like don't have time. (laughs) So like... (laughs) (laughs) call me by my name, call me, whatever, just call me. You know what I mean? Like book me. Just don't ignore me.
0: That's the thing. That's it, baby. Like I don't have time. That's an interesting perspective. Cause I do know some folks where it is a, a very important thing to them. Um, but I would say the bulk of people I've talked to, uh, they're probably more in your camp where it's just like, Hey, I, I don't really care. Thanks for trying. But <laughs> is it, uh, and I noticed like over the last year, the pronouns thing, last year, year and a half has become such a big thing. Now you say it's interesting. Is it interesting just like like as a case study to you or is it strange? Is it kind of like, why are you guys I doing this? I don't think this? it's strange. I think that everyone wants to be
1: seen and I, everyone wants to be heard. And yeah. I think that that's natural and that that's okay. And there are a lot of people that have been forgotten about and that have been trans against, and that have been oppressed and hidden and um, beaten. And um, they're tired of that, you know? And right. so, especially the trans community, um, I see it and I, I get it. I understand that anger. Um, I think maybe Black people understand it more than most people in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk to people about pain and oppression, we got it, baby. Um, And not being seen and being heard and not being valued for the whole of who you are as a human being, you know, the three-fifths fucking compromise, you know, being seen as, you know, less than a person um, and still being seen as less than a person. Honestly, I'm glad that we're having these uh, Black Lives Matter conversations and I'm glad that we're being more outspoken about queer lives within Black culture as well, um, because, you know, it's important. And I feel like queer people and queer Black people, I mean, if you look at Stonewall, you look at, you know, Marsha P. Johnson, you know, um, and so many others, they lead they lead rebellion, they lead fight, they lead change, they lead um, kind of a discord that needs to happen for people to wake up and widen their perspective of life. Right. And um, I respect anyone's pronouns. So like, it's not a big deal to me, but I understand who it is a big deal to. Um, for some people it may not be a big deal to say the N word during a Kendrick Lamar song, you know, if they're not black, you know, they might do it all the time but I'm gonna let you know if you do in front of me that <laughs> I'm not down with the shits like that and you are not fam, baby. So, gotcha. you know, I think we just all need to learn to just talk and communicate and um, convey our feelings. I feel like if you don't wanna do that, great, you don't have to, but I think about most things, if we just would just sit and if someone gets something wrong to us, right, to our worldview, um, we can just explain it, we can just talk to them. If they keep getting it wrong and they don't respect us, then that's on them, right? But I'm not going to waste my energy and my time and my health, especially my mental health, worrying about what other people are going to do or not do, respect or not respect, right? Like I have to keep living my life and everyone else has to keep living their lives too. And I think we can just get caught up in so many semantics and so many categories and labels that we're trying to fight anyway to be seen as equal. It, it's just really is a complex situation, and um, maybe we're at a point where everything is just at it ahead, and um, it's exploding obviously it's been exploding for a long time and maybe it's not done exploding um but one day maybe all of that anger will subside and we can just look at each other in the eye and say man you're a person and i'm a person and we do have these different views and we do view life differently and of course we do because we're in all of these different areas of the world and i was raised by these parents who came from this and you were you know what i mean like There's a lot that I think we intentionally misunderstand on both sides. Um, And I don't even know that there are sides. I think that it's just, we just try to make life so easy and it's just not. uh, We try to make it black and white, right Mm -hmm. and wrong. And there's just a lot of gray. And I think we just need to be honest with that. And we need to focus on that. Um, We need to address the black and the white, right? We need to address the differences and we need to honor them and respect them. But I think at the end of the day, we need to focus on the gray and we need to focus on how we can live in this world together peacefully in harmony and how we can better love each other and better understand each other uh, so that we can achieve the equality that we want so bad. And that has to happen on, for the sake of this conversation, the left and the right, you know, conservative, liberal, moderate, you know, like we all don't need to, Step on our values or throw them in in the garbage, right? It's not about that. It's not about compromising who you are. But I think it's mm-hmm. about seeing what we are as a whole, you know. And we are inhabitants of this earth without any real knowledge of any other inhabitants of the universe.
0: <laughs> right. And we're, well, no, we're no, like I think we're killing it. I think that's a beautiful perspective too. And I, I think what's interesting is watching the world, watching myself, my reactions towards so many things that happened over this last year. um, The gray is really hard to live in. Like I Mm -hmm. want black or white. I want to say this person is, is the enemy of all the things that I believe in. Like, it's just an easy thing, at least for me to gravitate towards. And it seems like so many people gravitate towards that, but it's interesting you say that like, The gray is so hard to live in, but it is like as I've had harder and harder conversations with friends, uh, it's like we begin to see each other strip away the layers, the tribes that we build up in a way uh, to find Mm -hmm. more understanding. And I know that's how I grew in life. I was I used to be in a whole different kind of camp, a very conservative (laughs) uh, religious camp and completely came out of that camp but it was through conversations and meeting real people and having real life like experiences in the real, real world in the gray. And, uh, but then, but then I find myself flipping to the other side (laughs) and wanting to get rid of the gray yet again.
1: It's hard. It's hard. But I think that it's only through conflict and so many people want to avoid conflict. And I think the, one of the most awful things about, um, the internet and, social media and all of it is that you can kind of craft your own world where it's just black or white, right? Right. You can just delete, you can block, you can, you can really like completely, um, cater, curate your feed. Right. So Mm -hmm you don't see the gray of the world anymore. And so when you step out from behind your phone screen or your computer or your iPad or your mobile device or whatever, you know, you're in this world now, the real world. And you're like, what the fuck? Oh my God. I can't just just delete and block. I'm so angry. Ah, you know, and it's just like
0: now this fuckers right in front of me and I got to deal with him.
1: And then it makes it more hostile and and more more difficult because now we're out of practice. And I think the pandemic definitely, you know, put us out of practice. And before that, you know, we just didn't deal with who we didn't want to deal with anyway. And so now we're stepping into this whole new world where we really do have to come together and like figure some shit out because, you know, the pandemic isn't over.
0: (laughs) And it's like...
1: We gotta we gotta you know we've gotta just like have the hard conversations and we've we've got to um i think like although it's hard to live in the gray in the long term it makes it easier for everybody you know
0: well and it's the Um, only it's the really (laughs) i'm having trouble shaping the sentence um it's the only real way to have a long term perspective. Uh, that's yeah. a friend of mine is running for senate right now. His name's Tim Shepard, and we are having a conversation about that. And it's like he wants to change the world and make a great impact in the world. Uh, but he's like, we got to bring the unity back. Like he has these very progressive and liberal ideas, but he's like, I have to spend time hanging out and talking with farmers in Kearney, you know, or in these small Missouri towns because they are a part of this, this world that we have to live in. So mm-hmm. in the, the only other option is eventually civil war. You know, like, I mean, I, it sounds like bonkers, but in the end, if we don't figure out, that i don't think it sounds that doesn't sound fun (laughs) i
1: don't think it sounds
0: bonkers it definitely doesn't sound fun i think that
1: um it's been brewing for a really long time and i think that um there is some shit to be addressed is there an easier way to address it i think so but i think that more people have to be willing to uh, face that they are homophobic or face that they are transphobic or face that they or are racist or face that they are sexist or face that they are um, infringing their religion on people that don't believe the same way they do in a place that has freedom of religion. And so everyone's religion is valid, but we are still trying to make the law only reflect our religion again. You know what I mean? Like right. we... That's
0: the real shit that's in front of
1: us. We make life so much harder than it has to be. And sure, it is complex to work all those things out, right? Like, I want to be right. And I think that's a part of it. Everyone wants to be right. And I think that there are a lot of different rights and there are a lot of different wrongs. And I think the sooner that we accept that and accept that we don't know everything and accept that... um. I think we're so used to instant gratification that we just want everything right now and we we just want um and are only thinking about the moment a story breaks and we automatically rush to pick a side of the story um we're not thinking about the evidence that could come within the weeks you know after (laughs) right Right, that can change the whole story it's just literally this is what i believe and if you don't pick a side then you're a part of the problem. And it's just like, no, the way the human mind works, right, Um, apart from social media and apart from instant gratification technology is that it's built and made so that we can weigh pros and cons and um, assess situations and look at intention, right? And um, that helps us look at not just this moment in my reaction, but it also helps me look at the future. It helps me look at the past. It helps me look at everything all together, right? To really make a decision and to intelligently talk and intelligently have an opinion um, to bridge, you know, uh, a gap with someone, you know, to, to actually have unity, to actually come to some general consensus as to what is going on in the world. I think it's the only way that we can all live in the same reality because we don't right now you know and i think that unfortunately the past administration <clears throat> with that fake news bullshit, you know really just made it even harder because it was like oh well that's just fake news or oh that's just that's just your reality and it's like no we all live in this we all live in the same world you know what right. i mean like and we've got to uh <laughs> We got to all get in the same reality or, you know, I think a civil war is inevitable, you know, because it's the only thing unless we can get past um, the ways that we've mentally handicapped ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, spiritually handicapped ourselves. um, It's the only way that some resolution can happen. Um, And, you know, you just hope that it's your side that wins and everyone thinks their side is the good side, you know, of course. The thought you're, thought you're, the you're never the enemy right.
0: in your story, you know? <laughs> so, you know, yeah,
1: that's guess, where does
0: that, uh, where does that perspective come from? Is that a, a new development for you? This idea of, of the living in the gray and building that unity, or is this a part of you that's, that's been there for a long time?
1: I think I've always felt that. I think, I was, I started to be angry really early on in my life. And I think maybe was just drawn to the history of the world um, at at eight or nine or 10. And so it's always been something that really interested me. I, I know a lot of kids like weren't really interested in history
0: at all. <laughs> yeah, they, they were all playing video games and you were reading history books, apparently. So,
1: <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I was a weird duck. I was like a weird kid. I was like really obsessed with my emotions and um, figuring that out, and you know, trying to figure out like what was going on with my parents and like the complexity of that and how it affected me and how do how do I get out of this someday and why do these kids look at me this way and say that I'm feminine? Um, yeah, I, I was just really concerned with. A lot of really complex things at a really early age. And so I remember in high school, I wrote my like angry poetry and I listened to um Lauren Hill Unplugged, you know, and I was oh, yeah. like <laughs> mad at the world. I was like, this is it, this is it, lady, I'm like, you got it. And um I don't know. I remember my heart sinking in my chest the night of the 2016, I, I mean, I just, a a part of me died, you know, and I, I did lose hope there. And I was upset and I was angry, but I just remember how angry we all were leading up to that point and that it did nothing. It did literally nothing to help us. If anything, it it hindered any progress, Hmm. um, and it really kept us all within our own bubble. And we didn't talk to the rural farmers. We didn't talk to the people uh, who wanted to get back in the coal mines, you know? And it's like, you right. don't want to get back in the coal mines? Come on, child.
0: <laughs> Like, Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, let's invest in some clean energy. Like, I don't want your lungs to fill up, baby. Come on, you know? <laughs> um, And so I just got tired of being sick and tired. I get tired of being angry. And there's this Erica Badu song that I go back to all the time. And uh, she says, out my mind, just in time. And I think we just get wrapped up so much in our thoughts. And we don't realize that we don't have to believe everything that we think. And it's not all for public. It's not all for public consumption. Sometimes it's just a thought, you know, and sometimes we go and we, We type, you know, a a four paragraph diatribe about how angry we are at someone that we don't even know. Um, We talk about the president and the vice president's decisions all the time, and they have like a whole syllabus of like the world. You know, and we don't have that. We don't have that, and we're here like, I can't. Back to
0: perspective, me. right? <laughs> you know this motherfucker doesn't like, know what he's doing,
1: <laughs> right? But we don't know, you know. <laughs> we definitely don't know, but we're here. We are like, I would never do that, and that's what it really is. It's not. It's not as much that we're angry with other people and their decisions as we're angry with our own decisions and how we've been complicit, right? Interesting. In, that's in perpetuating. That's the state of the world. Um, And also, I feel like a lot of times um, it's distraction from um, dealing with ourselves, right? If we focus on everyone else's shortcomings and problems and uh, past, even though we all have past, right, and skeletons in our closet and things that we would never tell anyone. It's okay because I can just focus on this person's and I can jump on the good bandwagon and I can help this person out and I can, you know, make this person go away and um I'll just look for the next one you know
0: uh well it's like watching hoarders to me it's like if my house is a little messy I can watch hoarders I'm like I'm not that crazy fucker I don't have dead cats laying around in my so I'm good I'm good and now I can just distract myself with with someone else's problems and pain instead of dealing with the the real shit that's going on under here it's a huge issue
1: and so I think what really like sapped me out of it too. I was there in that place anyway at least politically especially online. Um, and even even racially in in social justice. You know, I just try to approach it from a different way. And sometimes for me it's just like telling like a random joke you know a random sarcastic like one-liner you know that you know 200 people laugh at or like you know what i mean like because like that to me like is we're bringing it together you know like this is an everyday problem or an everyday thing that we all all share or that happens to all of us i i grew up watching seinfeld with my mom and so like those like everyday problems of the world you know those normal everyday things that can you know, actually be pretty dark, but actually also have this shade of light and humor um, just really reflects the way that I see the world and um, really reflects my humor. And so like, I'll use that. Um, uh, And also therapy. (laughs) Therapy is like huge. I think everyone, if you're listening to this and you've been thinking about it, try it. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. It changed my... Life. It really just like turned the mirror on me. I was ready one to turn the mirror on myself and figure out how to master what I could of my life, right? And take mm-hmm. take my power into my hands and step into my power and use it and not be afraid of it and not be afraid of success. I was like, I'm tired of um, being so angry. That I want to drink myself into a well, being so sad that I just want to sex it away, being so um, frustrated that I end up um, spontaneously combusting, you know, in public places, right. you know, with people I love in my community, um, having these these hard mental breakdowns, you know, where where I don't want to be seen for, you know, I just got. So so tired of that. I got so tired of the world laying on me so much and I needed to get out of my mind. And I also needed to realize that my mind was mine, you know? Yeah. Um,
0: in a sense of taking responsibility, ownership of that.
1: That's a key. And I think that's the key to, to healing the world. I think when we like take our healing into our own hands, you know, we can understand each other so much more because we're accepting our own shortcomings, we're accepting our own scars, we're accepting our own trauma. And so we can be more understanding of the next persons. And we walk into the world radiating something that is more whole. Um, And I think it influences everyone around us to do the same thing. Uh, And I think that's a big thing. It's just like living your life by example, and by just living your life, you know, that's the thing. You're not like trying to be some influencer, like uh, making some false scenery or some false scene, right? You're literally not living your life as if you are making a movie for people to watch. You're just living your life, you
0: know, you know the real life perspective of, of all of it. And it's, it's interesting. Cause it sounds like your story, like you were introspective at such a young age and then growing in that introspection has it sounds like that's what's allowed you to open yourself up to to other people and other perspectives and other views would you say that that's kind of the journey for you would you say i'm sorry that's right it just it sounds like so it sounds like you've been so introspective even from a young age uh you know hearing your story is like you were always looking at other relationships and how that impacted you how it impacted them your feelings and what that meant to you and then as you've grown uh, even through therapy, it's like the more you've understood yourself, the more you can have grace with other people is almost what I hear you saying. I don't know if that's yeah. that's accurate, if you if you would agree with that or not, but <laughs> that's that's no, what I, I hear in your story, does. which is beautiful. I think that that's really the
1: honestly so true. Um, I think it's so true. Yeah, I, I do have a lot more grace for other people because I have a lot more grace for myself. I think I I had a lot of really high expectations for myself and tried to overachieve a lot. To be
0: seen. That's um, the artist thing, man. It's it's like ingrained in us that artist ah <laughs> overachievement. It's, and...
1: Yeah, it's it's ingrained in us. And I also feel like as a black man, I have to just work four times harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the US, especially to be seen for the yeah. one white does in my world. And I realized that at a very young age. And what I didn't realize is that I didn't have to take that on, you know? I didn't have to take the burden of the way the world sees me in comparison to someone else. Um, I could have just lived my life, you know? And I'm happy that obviously I took that burden because I wouldn't be who I am now, but I've gone through a lot of struggle and I've gone through a lot of people pleasing and I've gone through a lot of, um pretending that I'm okay, you know? And uh, I think when you once, you, once you accept, once you just accept who you are um, and accept that, like, um, it doesn't really matter what other people believe about you, honestly. I mean, from a public perspective, right? Like it does, you know, and you, you want people to buy your music and come to your concerts and you want people to like you. But at the end of the day, if people don't, they just don't. And your audience will come to you. You know, there's an audience literally for everyone. And I think when you move with true intention and you peel back the layers and get through all of the interference that can come through in so many, um, traumatic events, so many just life events, um, people are able to really see your light um, and they come toward it. You know, I think we're all attracted to the light. Um, and uh, that's where I'm at right now. I really love my light. I really love shining. I really love the way that it feels. I really love getting through pain. I don't love creating pain anymore to get through it. You know what I mean.
0: <laughs> you know, there's a well, and that can be such so. a artistic uh, mindset. Uh, the uh, several of my podcasts recently, uh, the the subject of the tortured artist that that idea of almost the romantic idea that we have to be kind of a little fucked up to create well and, and all these things tends to perpetuate this really unhealthy lifestyle and this unhealthy perspective of self and others. And it sounds like you are finding so many great tools to, to climb out of that as well. And I bought into it for so long. And uh, like you had mentioned, uh, you know, the therapy therapy has been a big piece in my life, even medication and those pieces too. But I was, I literally was so afraid to to start those paths because I was like, would I lose my creativity? Would I lose my my light in a way, like you're talking about? But the my experience and it sounds like yours is as, as well is the more we actually heal, the more light and more creativity we have to offer. Yeah, you
1: activate,
0: you know what I mean? Like you you
1: really activate this, is the the best word I can come up with. That's a great word
0: for it. I love it.
1: (laughs) A flip a, a switch flips. And I feel like it's always there, right? We can always make the choice to flip it. Right. But it just means taking, taking that responsibility for ourselves and for our actions and for the work, you know, the work of life. Um, and once you do that, and you can stay focused and you have the support around you um, to really kind of uh, nourish you when you need it, Um, Mm -hmm. you're golden. You can really, I feel like I can achieve anything, you know, and um, I want other people to feel that. And I want other people to not be afraid of exploring therapy. Everyone always goes, um i don't have enough money for that that's expensive but then they'll go like on the weekend and spend two hundred dollars on a bar tab
0: you know it's like not even bad an eye on it i've yeah i've done it (laughs) yeah
1: i've done it i've been there so it's like it's like, listen, sis, like you could have gone out one day, spent a hundred dollars and then spent a hundred dollars on that therapy session. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and it's not it's not overnight that it happens. Sometimes you have to switch therapists. Um, sometimes you have to go five times before you feel relief. Sometimes maybe therapy isn't for you. Maybe there's some other way to deal with it or some other therapeutic um, outlet. I'm also medicated. You know what I mean? And so like for me, um that's not something that I'm afraid of. And I just want to end that stigma for people. Um, Absolutely. It's it's okay. Uh, it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to not be okay. It's also okay to seek help. Um, and seeking help and accepting help doesn't mean that there's intrinsically something wrong with you, right? It just means that this is fucking hard. and right. and And that we are on this earth you know, to help each other out. And so why not, why not receive? Why not receive? We don't think we're worthy of so much. Um, and I think once you finally realize your worth, it's when you're able to really receive what, um, what life has for you and help and the right people and the right opportunities. Um, this man that passed away, I'll never forget him. Um, father of one of my good friends, He said, let people help you. And this was like 2013, 2014. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I let people help me all the time. What do you mean? You know, in my head, I was like, how dare you? You know what I mean? And I didn't understand it until like two years ago. I was like, oh my God, like, I'm really not letting people Help me. I'm really not letting the universe help me. I'm really not letting life flow. I'm really not letting myself be in a moment and be mindful um, of everything that's around me. I'm not letting go of things and letting them just flow out of my life that don't serve me. And I yeah. think once you're just able to sit still and, um, you know, just focus on you. Uh, it all can fall into place. And um, yeah, I just, I want that. I want that for the world. I really want that for everyone. I know that it's probably not attainable for the whole world, you know, right. but, but I, I do want it for more people. And I, I hope that um, they can find the peace that I am finding um, in my
0: life. That's cool, man. Yeah. I I love that. And that's, there's this thing I think about a lot recently. Uh, it's a quote that says "slow is smooth and smooth is fast." And because I I want to go go go, I want to constantly just run. And that's how I've always been, like ever since can, I can remember. Um, but I find the more sleep I'm getting, and slowing certain things down, and and cutting certain things out of my schedule, I'm actually accomplishing more of the things I wanted to accomplish, and mm-hmm. and happier doing it. And uh, it's like if we slow down and, and look at and take a real assessment of who we are, I think then we have even more to offer and yeah, but yeah, that's, quantity that's cool that you're on that journey. Quality. What's that? I missed that. Sorry.
1: I said, uh, quantity doesn't equal quality. Yes.
0: <laughs> and I think a lot of people
1: think that I, because I'm doing, you know, 30,000 things and I've got my name here and my name there and my name there. And I know, you know, Joe and James and Jan and, and Jack he, like, no, you know what I mean? Like all you need is all you need is quality experiences, quality connection, um, quality care for yourself. Um, and once you have that, you have what you need and everything that you want, you know, well, is there. You know what I mean? I, I think it's just a focus of needs and wants. And um, we're always treading water trying to trying to live the joneses you know um
0: well especially this can be such a competitive industry uh in the music world i'm a very competitive person in general uh even with friends like i i love the idea of like you know the friendly competition and and all that uh but yeah sometimes you can get caught in in just looking at other people and like oh i need to do that oh i need to I need to have a, a five-week tour. I need to, you know, catch up to what they're doing instead of yeah. realizing where you're at. And I heard you yeah. say something earlier where it said you're developing something where your fans will come to you, where they they will gravitate to this light you're putting out. And I think that's a great way to think of it.
1: Yeah, I think that I worked so hard. I went into 2010 um, or 2009. I moved to Kansas City from Benedictine College. I was finishing a Masters program through Full Sail, and I was auditioning for bands. Of course, all of these rock bands were like, "What are you auditioning for?" You know, and it's like, "Oh, I can't sing rock because I'm black." Okay, great. You know, <laughs> and so you know, I had to deal with all of that. Um, I was trying to get into theater. No one was helpful at all. Um, oh, and so I was like, "Someone, <laughs> Connie Carlisle and Jenna West Stanwick, The Horror of '84." They came up to me one Monday. I was unemployed at that point, And I would go to the bar in the day, you know, and which is ugh, anyway. <laughs> uh, and they were like, do you want to do a Monday drag show? And I was like, yes, you know, like I wasn't really, I didn't. I was still kind of rejecting the feminine aspects of myself just because of all of the trauma I experienced younger on in my life. Um, and. I wasn't really, I don't think ready to like make that like step forward into entertainment. And I really wanted my voice to, to be enough. Um, but I was like, you know what? I don't have anywhere else to sing. I don't have any other stages and why not? So I did it and I did it for years and years and years. And I worked and I worked hard and I got so caught up in like politics and like how do I separate myself from the next uh, drag performer? And I, and then I, I and then I was like, oh, now I'm making these connections, right? So then I became obsessed with connections to bar owners and venues and how many people would come see a show and going to these bars all of the time to make sure that they knew me and, um, you know, auditioning, you know, everywhere that I possibly could and uh I was just working so hard and I wasn't really focused on any true intention I was just like focused on competition and like competition in the winning for the sake of winning in a way right with winning and it was like I don't like why am I I remember it was like seven years in it was like five or seven years in and I was like What am I doing? Like, why am I trying to be the like the best drag queen? Like, That's not what I want. You know, like my intention is to be um, a a history making, worldwide known, renowned singer songwriter that changes the world. Right. So why am I like getting caught up in like petty bar drama and like who has the best cosmetics like Like who cares, you know what I mean? And why am I like obsessed with these like small theater connections um, that haven't really provided me anything but stress um, and are always like on my mind with me wondering, did I say the right thing this time or um, overthinking a conversation that I had, did I say too much or did I, you know, like I've just put Mm -hmm. myself in so much labor that I never had to and I think it was finally when I was able to um be released from my job my corporate job oh by the way I was working a 40 plus hour corporate job every single day on and, top doing and doing drag and doing music and so the pandemic for me was a blessing because it was like okay boo boo you need to just like sit down what do you need you're going to discover that, you know, the difference between what you need real quick when that check is not coming in. And uh, I knew that, and I've always known that music is the it, it is the intention, it is the goal, it is the focus of my life. Uh, Being an artist, being the artist that I dreamed of since I was six or seven, reading liner notes and writing intentions in journals and looking at music docs, um, and CD covers and album covers and scratching my mom and dad's records. And all of that, that, that was what I wanted. That was what I needed to focus on, um, being true and intentional with my lyrics and my writing. And, um, and that's what I did because I had the time and, and it was also one of those situations of, well, I don't have a corporate job, no one's hiring the pandemic and so like I might as well put absolutely 100% of myself into this music Um, and it was time to write and it was time to get things going it was time to take pictures it was time to use every single asset that I had right right? not my liabilities right (laughs) but my assets (laughs) To, to get closer to not even a goal, right? But closer to myself and my intention. And my intention is to be Stefan, is to be the artist, is to be the musician, is to be the vocalist, the songwriter that is Stefan. And um, I think once you just focus on that, I, I was trying to make all these connections and sending letters and emails and press releases to all these publications, and no one answers back. And you're trying to book uh, shows of venues and no one answers back and all of these things. And all I had had to do was literally focus on this music and focus on what I knew was great and realize that I was worthy of success. And literally, I think I sent a press release of SIS Side A, um, maybe even deep before that to the pitch. And, um, Yeah. From there, it just seemed like all of these things were like coming, all of these interviews through KCUR, um, show bookings, uh, I I mean, reviews, great PR, all of this stuff, because I just focused on me. You know, I wasn't focused on the way the world would receive me. I wasn't focused on the connections I needed to make. I wasn't focused on, um, what people wanted to hear. I was just focused on me.
0: You know, I I love what you said, where you weren't even necessarily chasing a goal. You were becoming more of who you are. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a powerful thing, powerful thing. So I'm such a goal minded person, but in that, like I hear in your story, it's like, I can get, I've, I've gone through a a thing over this last year where it's like, I saw this thing. I was like, Oh, I want to win against that thing or, or, you know, it's like, Oh, that person's booking that many shows and I want to like be competitive and book more shows. But I'm like, are those the shows you want? I had to start asking myself, is that the artist you want to be? What, where, where should you be? What should you be doing as, as who you know you are? And it's like, Oh, I was about to get on another fucking treadmill towards nowhere. Right. And, uh, right. That's huge, man.
1: Cause there's, there is no
0: competition. I think I heard
1: someone say this and it blew my mind. They were like, there is no door. And I was like, holy shit, there is no door. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because there really isn't. I, I think you just either do what you do or you, you don't. And mm. I think the cool thing about the old music industry, um, the 90s, the 80s, was that like these record men, took these records and they did all of the business and set all these goals and produ- predictions, whatever, but there was so much money. And they just literally let the artist be the artist, you know, right. for the most part. And that's why we have so many of these like golden artists that have influenced generations and that have this timeless work because there's one guy that's like, Oh no, this is it. Now they manipulate that and they do all of that stuff. Right. Right. Right, Um, That is not really concerned with finding yourself or being an artist, but you can really tell when an artist is really just focused on finding out who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think it inspires the world, you know, from a Prince perspective, from a Michael Jackson perspective, from a Whitney perspective, from a Madonna uh, perspective, because that's what everyone's trying to do. Right. everyone wants to know who they are everyone wants to figure that out everyone wants to stand strong and be courageous and be here and be present and be seen and other people can't see you until you see yourself and so I really I really think that that's it you know Um, that's it that's the secret you know And, and we're trying to chase these like mega lifts and and crazy accomplishments and mountains that all of these artists before us or even right beside us in present day are accomplishing but the way that they're doing it um, the real real greats that shine bright to this day um, past this earthly life um, is they really just went on their own journey into Mm -hmm. themselves um, and they were receiving you know, and, uh, I just think it's such a powerful thing to realize it's harder to put into practice, you know? Yes.
0: Yeah. But to live I it out every legs. day. Like I'm sure even today I'll get, I'll see something. I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want to win that race, whatever that race is, but constantly having to remind myself, no, is that, is that the artist you want to be? Is that the, the term for right. me? I keep thinking about the there term legacy. No it's like, Yeah. Yeah.
1: There is no race, there is no competition, there is no, you know, like, I'm sure someone, you know, if I get signed to a record label tomorrow, they'll say bullshit, you know what I mean? Like, but I can't be focused on that, you you know, like, um, to truly resonate with people, um, you've just got to be authentic. And I think that's why people like Cardi B pop off so much in the mainstream, you know, because they are unapologetically, Cardi
0: B you know like like them or love them that's who they are and and, in the end that I think that wins over people even if you don't like a particular artist uh it it eventually draws you in because they're like even like Kanye like he in some ways is a problematic person but there's something about Kanye that like when I listen to his music even his latest stuff that a lot of people didn't even like I there's something so authentic and raw that I still connect with even though it's like I mean, it'd be interesting actually to sit down and have a, a drink with them, but who knows how we would get along, but there's, there's right. something beautiful in that authenticity. And it inspires me to be just as authentic and to strive for that same thing.
1: Well, and everyone can be problematic. Right. And I think right. that that's like, I think what, what gets us so much is that these people are larger than life, but they're actually just human beings. Just like yep. you you and me and we all do problematic things and say problematic things, but it's just like Kanye West, right. It's figuring it all out and thinking out loud and, you know, has documented his mental health struggles and his right. life and his hard life as a black musician and as a black man, as a producer, um, you know, the loss of his family, but you know, all of that stuff, right. It's right there. But we, we hoist these people up as, um,
0: examples we put them on a pedestal they They're become they like a be. pop culture jesus in a way and then when they right. disappoint and that's us what all
1: celebrities have become for us
0: and right
1: um and uh at the end of the day uh, kanye is still genius he's still he's Absolutely. still great <laughs> um i don't agree with everything azalea banks says by any means. I think that some of it's very problematic, right? But she's still an incredible musician. She's still an incredible rapper. Uh, The way that she's able to, I mean, you can't just like, you can, I guess, if you want to, right? Everyone has free will. But I'm not just going to throw a whole person away because I know that the sum of a person is the whole of their lives. Um, And so... I was just listening to ghost town the other day off of yay. And, uh, oh my God, that song. <laughs> I remember I put on yay and I was like, I'm so mad at this motherfucker, but I'm going to listen to this shit. because I know, <laughs> I know it's going to be fucking right. <laughs> and, um, ghost town yep. came on and what is it? I put my hand to the stove and I feel free because nothing hurts anymore. Oh, it's just phenomenal. I forget what those lyrics are, but I needed to really feel that, I really needed to feel that intrinsic, um, visceral, grasp for truth and for for wholeness that I think Kanye exemplifies in all of his music um, and that a lot of artists do and We've got to have it all, you know. We can't just have this perf- perfected version of a human being um, out there that is just good and that doesn't say anything wrong and that.
0: Well, then art dies. <laughs> At that point right. too, because there's no. Our I mean, dads. art comes from and creativity comes from connecting all these different things and and the brokenness that that all of us wrestle with. And yeah, it's it is interesting. It's funny, like even just saying problematic. Uh, I had uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but a former guest. He's an activist, songwriter. Does is very outspoken guy, uh, but then. I, right towards the end of the podcast I said, Yeah, I know this guy's really problematic and but I, I quoted some other person. I can't remember. Uh this is a great story so far. I have all the details. But <laughs> um <laughs> but essentially he stopped me. He goes, Aren't aren't we all problematic? And I think you even said that. It's like the the reality is it's like I'm problematic. You're problematic. All of us have the shit to deal with and if we we can recognize that then we're probably going to be better off. And, and yeah, when you think about, like you said, if I think about an artist, I think about like uh, Christian contemporary music. Uh, a lot of people shit on it because it's just like this two dimensional thing because it's this cookie cutter, like crisp, like n- nothing in a way, like all the lyrics are just the regurgitation of, of like the, the right things to say. And that's why it's not artful anymore. Like maybe there right. is Christian artists out there who are creating it, creating great music But when you look at that world and when you look at like some pop music, I think there's a lot of great pop music as well, but there's some where it, again, they're just going in this formula that is no longer art. It's just a cookie cutter piece. Yeah, the cream
1: will rise to the top. And I think that um, everyone needs to be less focused on the trash you know, uh, mm. for lack of a better word, you know, in quotation, sarcastic, um, <laughs> because you can't see me. Uh and needs to be focused on supporting the artists that they truly believe in and that they truly feel um a vibe from, a connection from, uh, that they really can look at as a mirror, you know, in their lyrics and their performance and the tone of their voices and the the way they play their instruments and the way that a beat hits or rocks. And I think once that happens, right, then the cream can rise faster. <laughs> yeah. But I think when we're focused on, you know, who doesn't necessarily align with all of our views, which is no one, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we forget about what really matters, right. We, we right. get further away from ourselves. And then as a result, we get further away from, people that are on the same path that we're on that could really resonate with us. And I don't think like the, the mass saturation of the music industry helps because there's so much access now for everybody. But, um, I think, I think that just by like being aware and like trying to be mindful and really listening to lyrics again and, um, yeah, I think maybe not being as judgmental uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, forgiving yourself for the, the shit also that you've done that you like harbor.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, I think it's huge because once you do that, then you can forgive other people, right? There's some stuff that some people can't forgive. And I, I totally get that. I have my limits too, you know, like, but at the end of the day, um, you know greatness greatness is greatness and uh that's it
0: no, it's all good it's all good well I got I got two more questions for you time went so fast so we dove into some great stuff and I feel like we barely touched on your story even in that because yeah, I, I hope that the, I like
1: gave you some good stuff like oh I this is just, like no me. this is
0: great this is great uh the directions that it uh it took um i just maybe down the road i have to have you come on again and just go even more into your story because i the more i've learned about your story as an artist and as a, a queer black man living in the artistic world i think you have so much from your story to offer a lot of other people uh, and and encourage other people so definitely if you're listening to this go go check out Stefan all the things i'll put the links in there but uh, the last two questions uh it's from the live and create podcast so uh, the first one being right now, how would you define living a great life?
1: Man, I think just like I said before, uh knowing and finding out, figuring out what your wants and your needs are, um, focusing on your needs and just letting everything else come to you and just being in the moment, um, accepting what you can from the company of others. Um and not what you want, you know? Uh, that's what I would describe as a, as a happy life. Um, sure, I've got like bills that I really wish I could pay right now and stress, uh, but I'm, I can't fixate on that or focus on that. I, at this moment, do I have everything that I truly need? Yeah, I do. And so that allows me to focus on now whatever that means. I'm focusing on this interview right now, and I'm getting so much out of it and so much, so much richness and so much happiness from it. um, Because I can allow myself to just be here. So that that's what it is for me.
0: That's awesome. It's a freeing perspective. Uh, Like hearing you say that, like even in my mind kind of frees me up. And so uh, I love that. And so for the last uh, question, right now, how would you define creating great things?
1: I would find I would define creating great things as um, honoring honoring your truth and honoring where you are, and where you've come from, and not trying to like gloss it up. I think just like sitting and feeling it allows you to have this great resource material, right? To paint this beautiful picture with, and that's what I was able to do with SIS side A. Um, which is out everywhere. And uh, what I was able to do with SIS as a whole, uh, which will be released in 2020, uh, but SIS IB, the same coming. uh, I mean, there's so much music coming up, but uh, I think it's the proudest I've ever been because I sat with myself for so long. And um, when you're focused, like we've been talking about on becoming the greatest person that you can be and focusing on you, um, everything else follows suit. And so your art has no choice but to do that. And so I created some greatness with some really brilliant people, Ben Bayard on guitar, Johnny Handel on bass, Ahafia Jerkowitz miles on keyboard, Adam McKee on drums. Um, Gosh, who am I missing? am i missing uh, justin mantooth uh engineer mixing mike Nulty is mastering a the single right now that'll be out july 28th the king's gambit oh, that's awesome and uh man yeah yeah i am just so sometimes i shock like i wake up and i'm like how did i get here i never thought that i would get to this place i thought that i would be sad and upset and angry maybe forever and there was just one moment that i was just like no like and i i look around me and i'm like how did i achieve this how how did i create this music like how do i feel this confident like how am i getting myself to the gym every day like how am i how am i this happy you know and Oh, it is just the best thing. So, yeah, I think uh, once you focus on the greatness um, of yourself and also gratitude for the things that are already great in your life, um, everything else follows suit, your art included. Um, And when you're an artist, that's who you are anyway. So, like, you have no choice.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Thanks for making the time. Let everyone know how they can find your music, the links and all that
1: yeah i would go to www.stefan.com so it's just my name i was able to snag that domain name forever ago thank god i need to get my yeah, drone well <laughs> um but yeah everything is there um if you just type in stefan on um any of your streaming services apple music uh spotify title um everything will pop up there and uh youtube same thing just type in my name you'll see me there Uh, If you're trying to follow me on IG or Twitter, it's at lovesickwriter, L-O-V-E-S-I-C-K-W-R-I-T-E-R. I -I Um, I was very emo when I uh, came up with that handle name and decided not to change it. That was back in the day, by the way. Side note, when everyone was like, Drake was like Champagne Poppy, and Riri was like Bad Girl Riri, and like no one (laughs) was their actual name. And then I was like, five years later, like, damn, I should have just said Add Stephon, you know? But now... (laughs) Now it's at Lovesick Writer and damn um, the trends. You you yeah, you know, like when you think of like branding, when you figure out more about business, you're like, oh, damn. But whatever, it's done now. It's Lovesick Writer.
0: Yeah. It is what it is at this point, man. <laughs> I love is. it. Well, thanks for making the time. It is awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity and for this
0: conversation. Thank you for listening to the Live and Create Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The Live and Create Podcast.